All right, everybody, welcome to Studio B. I am your host, Pastor MDH. Thank you so, so very much for tuning in with us every single week. And remember, no matter where you're watching us from, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, make sure that you like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss anything going on on the set of Studio B. And also remember, wherever you access your podcast from, that's Apple Music, that's Spotify, that's Pandora, wherever you get your podcast from, you can access Studio B from that same platform. We have now just passed over 5,000 plus subscribers. Remember, we're trying to get to 10,000 by the middle of the summer, and I know we can do that with your help. So please continue to support us and to continue to tune in to what we're doing here on the set. Today, 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 and today, man, I have a very special guest, and this month is going to be exciting. I am excited about what God has in store for us on these next four weeks on the podcast, because I'm going to highlight four phenomenal women that are making an impact in this world, and they are doing big things at a high level. They are God-fearing women, they are family women, they are business women, and they have their affairs in order. So I'm just so excited about my first guest today, um, not only because she's my first guest in opening up this series, but she is a member of the Church of Bethel's family. Um, we love her and her family. And so I want to introduce to some and present to others Miss Latasha Norwood, MBA, PMP, Project Manager Professional, mm -hmm. okay, uh, Managing Partner of, La now give me that. The funny thing is people try to make it so fancy. Okay. It's L. Renee. L. Renee, okay. <laughs> I'll get ready to combine them. Oh, I know. Okay. <laughs> it happens all the time. Uh, managing Partner of L. Renee and Associates, mm -hmm. LLC, um, and you are, uh, as I was looking at your story and doing some research on you before our podcast, um, I'm excited about today because you got a story. I do. And I want the, uh, the the viewers and the listeners here to hear this story. So let me just kind of set the framework okay. of what we're doing. So for the next four weeks, I'm going to be doing, I don't want to call it a series. You know, I'm a pastor, so, you know, we like to operate in series. But it's not a series, even though it's a series. But it's called Normalizing Success. Mm -hmm. And over the past year and a half, we're now on 50 episodes. I have stood right here, sat right here at this table, uh, Latasha, and I have advocating on behalf of black America, mm -hmm. that black America is a powerful force. And if you look at our history going all the way back uh, to 1619, when we were brought over here to these United States, we have overcome obstacles upon uh, obstacles, barriers upon barriers. And not only have we overcome them, but we have thrived. Um, as much as we've had to fight against and fight for, we have thrived in so many areas of life. And so this this idea about normalizing success is like, I don't think that we should throw parades when we see black people su succeeding. Uh, I just think that success is a part of the black experience. Mm -hmm. We are highly successful in many different fields of life and many different areas of life. So when you see somebody that's successful and they happen to be an African-American, uh, I don't believe that that should be a great cause to sit there and high five everybody in the room. Standard is our norm. It's not what we strive for. It's just what we do. Mm -hmm. And so this particular, for the next four weeks, I'm going to be highlighting women 
um, especially African-American women who are doing great things in the business field, in their families and educational fields, so that I want everybody to understand the power that is in the black community. And so that's what this first one is going to be about. And you are the perfect guest to, uh, to start it. us off. So I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself and about your company and just about you. Sure. So Latasha Norwood, born and raised here in Houston, Sunnyside, Texas. Sunnyside. Absolutely. <laughs> um, migrated like most from Sunnyside to South Park and then to Harm Clark. So I graduated from Madison High School. Oh, my goodness. Um, Marlin. Absolutely. Madison Marlin <laughs> then went on for a stint to Lee College. And I want to I want to put a caveat there. I was the first um, in my generation to get a full scholarship to go to play volleyball in college. Wow. And getting there, I really didn't know what to expect. So I didn't understand what a syllabus was and how to prepare yourself and how to be accountable and then managing being a student athlete. And so I went off, had a lot of scholarships. I wanted to stay close to home. So I went to Lee College and I got there, was playing volleyball and doing my work and turning in assignments and traveling across the country. And then it came time for midterms and I ended up getting a call from my coach and she said, um, you failed a lot of your classes. And I'm like, how is that possible? I'm mm. going to class every day. I don't understand what happened. Well, what I didn't understand was that the syllabus is the guide mm. that kind of guides you through the curriculum in the class. And sometimes the professors don't say, hey, this assignment is due. So I was missing assignments that I didn't even know exist. So long story short, I lost my scholarship mm. and within three weeks had to figure it out. So I was blessed to have a um, classmate that was at Prairie View A&M that was willing to allow me to secretly sleep on her bed mm. in an extra bed in her room in her dorm. While I enrolled, I had to get money very quickly to enroll in college and I lost my scholarship. So we had to, you know, bootstrap it. Mm. And I remember that entire semester, I started with like maybe a 1.7 GPA going into Prairie View. And I talked to the volleyball coach and she, you know, willingly allowed me to come in and to walk onto the team. But I couldn't even qualify for, for financial aid. So my entire second year of my freshman year, I was... I guess homeless, mm. where I was sleeping uh, on a bed, all my bags packed, never could unpack it. But I think it was a pivotal moment for me because it, it taught me the importance of responsibility and being accountable and being aware of what's going on. And so I, I think I finished that second semester with a 4.0 and then wow. I, I ended up transitioning and having a great career in volleyball at, at Prairie View A&M. We won the SWAC. We ended up going to Hawaii to compete against the number one team. I was interviewed on ESPN and Hawaii wow. News and it was amazing. And so I, I left Prairie View and I ended up going into education. Um, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do at that point. And my mom said, well, you love sports and you love coaching, so why not teach? Why not be a physical education instructor? So I said, oh, okay, I, I, that's fine. So I ended up substituting for um, Windsor Village Elementary, and I went on to be one of the top instructors there. I started teaching teachers how to teach, writing curriculum, writing standardized exams, and did really, really well in education. And I ended up moving to Omaha, Nebraska, and I worked there for a little bit, and I realized, you know, I have some gifts and talents that I'm not using. Mm. And I really feel like there's more for me, but I really, I didn't know at that point what more looked like. So I started talking to a mentor, and he recommended um, TV advertising. 
And so I said, well, I don't even know what this career looks like. And he said, I think you'd be perfect for it. So I ended up interviewing it. At the time, I was the head coach of a volleyball program there in Omaha and had done a lot. And I remember going in and interviewing for this job. And um, I'm, I'm tearing up because I'm thinking through the blessings that God has just given me and how this path has been paved for me. And I ended up interviewing for this job, and it was with the president of the station. So imagine the highest p- person in, in the company's interviewing you. And he says, I'm looking at your resume, and I'm seeing all these things that you've done, and I don't see how you even qualify for this position. And I looked boldly in his eyes, and I said, I'm more qualified than anyone you have on your staff. Mm-hmm. And he says, really? And I did not know going in that... I attested higher than any person had ever tested in the history of that company on the battery of exams before they even bring you in for the interview. So he offered me the job. And I said, I looked at it and I said, no. And he said, what do you mean? I I looked at this number and I said, "I I can make more than this doing what I'm doing. Why would I leave my job to do this? And he said, I want you to think about it. And I said, I already did. The answer is no. And he said, well, well, what if we come to this number? And I said, that, that, that doesn't work either. Now, in my career, you've heard what my career looks like. I've never negotiated salary. It was just always something that was just, you know, this is what it is. Okay, you agree, you move on. So I left. And he called my mentor and said, I want her. Convince her to take this job. Wow. And he said, I promise you that if you take this job, that you'll double your salary every year. And in Omaha, Nebraska, there weren't a lot of people that looked like you and me. And there weren't any people in that department that looked like me. And I said, you know what? I'm willing to take a shot at this. So they met me at a number that I was comfortable with, and I left. And I, I transitioned into that career not knowing anything. I was, so, I was so green. I was as green as the wall behind you. So green. Just didn't know. And I'm so grateful that I took the leap. Because I was willing to bet on myself and to walk my faith and to know that I was going into the unknown and that ultimately God was in control, it it helped me to get to my destiny of where I am right now. So when I ended up leaving that station, I came back home to Houston uh, to work for Channel 11 for seven years and again negotiated my salary. Which we don't we don't negotiate salaries, unfortunately. Women and I've I've understood that minorities don't do a really good Absolutely. job of negotiating. Absolutely, because we don't really have a um, a marker or or something that we can measure ourselves a baseline to measure ourselves against, or even honoring and acknowledging our our gifts and the experience that we bring, even the boldness to say I, I'm more qualified than anyone that you have, and I was, but I was willing to say it. And to be confident in it. And so worked at Channel 11 for seven years, um, reached that, that same, you know, block in the road and said, you know, I, I want more. I don't know what more looks like, but I know that I want more. So I started my company so while still working full time at Channel 11. And I just started moonlighting, taking on any client that I could from every industry, from construction to entertainment to, you know, anything I could touch. And... Um, then I made a decision that an opportunity was interesting enough that I was willing to take it. And so I did. I left Channel 11 and I worked for another company and I hated it. It was terrible. But it was a six-figure salary that I wasn't willing to walk away from. So I, I decided I'm just going to stick it out and still work my business until it's time. Well, God said the time came sooner than what my time said. Mm-hmm. So one day I was working 
newly married. My husband walked. He was on his way to pick me up to take me to lunch. And I see this meeting pop up on my calendar that I didn't schedule. And at that time, I'd been working on projects and working with the largest companies with the, that that company worked with and, and doing amazing things and had righted so many wrongs and just helped to really, you know, bring some crazy projects back into alignment. And my manager brought me in and there was another lady that was sitting in there and it was I'm thinking, OK, hi, what's this meeting about? And not knowing that I, I was getting laid off after being there for about a year. And I, I remember just sitting there just shocked because I'd never been in that position before. And then the HR director said, well, you can, you know, you can reapply for your job on Monday. This is a mass layoff that we're doing, you know, workforce reduction. I don't remember everything that she said. All I heard was you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, do you mean I'm fired? And she said, no, this, you know, this happens with the company. You can reapply. So I remember walking out of the building with my box and my husband's sitting outside waiting for me. And he said, whoa, what are you doing? I know you're not happy, but, you know, are you are you quitting? And I said, no, I got fired. And he said, well, are you okay? And I said, I'm fine. And I think he thought I was having a nervous breakdown. He said, are you sure? And I said, yes. He said, do you still want to go to lunch? I said, listen, I've got to handle some stuff in there. You go ahead and go back to work. I'll handle this, and I'll see you at home. So I get home. He calls me. He says, are you okay? And I said, yes. He said, well, what are you doing? I said, I'm on, I'm on the Internet. I'm looking for another job. And he said, Why? And I said, well, we just bought a house. We just got married. We can't afford for me not to work. I'll have another job by Monday. And what he said to me was a pivotal point in my life and in my career. He said, close the computer. Um, I don't think that's what God wants you to do. Mm. And I said, he didn't tell me that. And he said, God's got us and I've got us. Just take a minute. Just take a moment. Just stop. And breathe, huh? And breathe. Mm. He said, you know, every time you feel like you want to look for a job, pick up your Bible and find a scripture and have Bible study and meditate on that. And it didn't it, it didn't dawn on me what God was doing and how he was using him to get to me so that I, I, he could show me what he already had for me. And that lasted for a little bit. And I said, listen, I, I need to find a job. This is not working. So I ended up interviewing for a company that was a really prominent company here in Houston. And they brought all their C-level executives in. They brought the person they wanted me to report to. They were going to create a position for me. And this was after a series of interviews. And I said, um, I said, honey, you know, this is a great company. It's not really what I feel like I want to do, but it's my foot in the door. So I go back and she's bringing all these binders in. She's showing me all these things that she wants me to do. And I looked at her and I said, listen, I have so much respect for you and your company, but I have to be honest. I would be bored out of my mind doing this. And I, I don't want to do this. I feel like you deserve to have someone who's going to be here and, and give you the, the, you know, the longevity and the company that, that it deserves. And she said, nobody's ever said anything like that to me before. But if I can ever be a reference for you, if we can ever do anything or work with you, let us know. So I remember getting in my car and driving on my freeway. And I said, God, I'm hiring myself. I'm not going to try to prove to anybody else who I am or what I'm worth. I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to hire myself. And from that moment on, God has blessed me beyond to work with some of the largest and the oldest and the biggest and the, the craziest opportunities that I couldn't even write for myself. That's just how good God is. But it took all of those things. It took those stories. It took that path in order for me to receive and to continue to work really hard to know that God has something bigger and greater for me. 
Now, Natasha, let me tell you that when you look at the journey, I think a lot of people are so focused on the destination that they forget the power of the journey, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 the learning, the skill set, the building, the encouragement is not in the destination. It's in what it took to get you there. And there's a lot of meat on that bone that you just that you just uh, explained there. Um, a lot of things in which we see when we talk about value, when they put that number in front of you and you said no to that number. And I think when you say that we don't negotiate, and I think it's not just from a necessary point of people just don't negotiate. They just don't know their value. Mm-hmm. So when you go to a job, a job places a value on you and your time. Mm-hmm. And so they'll say you're worth $15 an hour. You know, we believe that your time in this company in this particular skill set is worth X. Well, when you don't know your value, you take anything that is given to you. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of th- that'll lend us to a to a place to where when you're looking at how you got to where you are and all the ebbs and flows that it took to get there. When you're seeing that we're God and, and we're going to we're going to make sure that we hone in on God. Right. Because we mm-hmm. can talk about the success. But had it not been for the hand of God over your life, none of this stuff would be possible. But tell me about the, the, the earliest visions of your life. Like, what did you see yourself doing? Did you did you always envision success? Um, and uh, did you come from a successful family? Did you were you surrounded by success? Was this just part of your everyday life? Like, what did that early childhood look like? So I will tell you this, and I say this often, I feel like I've been able to take the equity from everything that I've done, and I've rolled it into L. Renee and Associates, and I'll give you an example. When we purchase a home, the idea is that we're going to purchase it, we're going to take the equity out, we're going to roll it, and then we're going to continue to to graduate into that next level. So my earliest memory of equity was in kindergarten. I would learn, I'd go to school. I would come home to my grandma's house and everything I learned, I would create worksheets for my little cousins and I would teach them everything I learned. Mm. I remember drawing worksheets that the banana equals five and the grapes equals two and the orange equals seven and teaching them. And that's exactly what I'm doing right now in L. Renee and Associates. I'm teaching. I'm taking something down that taking something that would otherwise be very difficult and, and really hard to understand, and I'm breaking it down at a very plain level, making it exciting and fun so that I can teach them and break down the barriers of understanding to really help them to connect to the knowledge. I did that in education. I did that in business development and sales, and I do it in project management. So for me, I've always felt a responsibility that every time I learn something, every time I'm introduced to something, I have a responsibility to share that with someone else. And that's carried me through every aspect of my career, from teaching to working in you know, media to now working in project management and building other businesses that I've been blessed to build over the years. So my earliest memory was probably at five or six, mm. helping to train and teach. And I love it. It's a gift. So, and, and I want to give a, a, a quick shout out there because you did go to Prairie View, so you're a Panther. Yes. Uh, shout yes. out to Prairie View. My daughter goes to Prairie View. Praise God for that. Yes. Um, I, I see a lot of stuff going on right now in, in this climate, um, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of tension on both sides, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, But I come from a family to where uh, my mom had me when she was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've told this story ad nauseum. Uh, But my mom had me when she was 16 years old. It was, um, you know, for lack of a better word, Latasha, it was 
Um, you know, they wasn't boyfriend and girlfriend. It sure. was just one of those things that happened and outcomes. Marcus D. Holman, right? So never knew my father. Come from Third Ward, you know, that whole environment. Um, so my mom went back to school, uh, graduated from the University of Houston with a degree in business. And my mom growing up would never allow me the excuse of my surroundings. Uh, she would never allow me to take uh, the easy road out. My mom was very, very hard on me, um, making sure that she pressed me to higher levels of living. Uh, all the, my earliest remem uh, memories are my mom being on my back for school and this and for that. But my mom pressed me to success. And I take that mentality where we are right now as African Americans in this culture, in this nation, in this time, and I try to amplify that times a million because I believe that your story, my story, and others like it are how we got to the place that where we are right now. Yes, we've all encountered barriers and obstacles and challenges, but what you did with those challenges ultimately determined how successful you would be in life. Mm -hmm. So talk about some of those challenges that you faced um, early on in your career and in your life that you had to overcome in order to get to this place to where you are right now. Man, there are so many of them. I think one of the challenges is really internal. It's a mental yeah. challenge mm -hmm. of trying to find, you know, be comfortable where you are for that moment to continue to push and know that there is more, there is something greater. There is an inner voice, and, and I've, I say this often, the silence can be so loud. And I think we are so used to putting things around us, whether it's music or it's other people yeah. or now it's social media to yeah. try to fill the, the space so that mm -hmm. we don't have to deal in that quiet time. But I force myself sometimes just to be quiet and to be still so that I can hear and really understand what God's voice is. When I think about my mom, um, who's passed on, I, I could be in a crowded room, but if I hear her voice, I can hear it plainly through all of the noise of everything that's going on because I have a relationship, right? Yeah. So for me, when I when I find myself in those points, whether it's a peak or a valley, where I feel like, you know, I'm not, I don't have my footing, I don't, yeah, I don't know what yeah. I'm doing, I'm not really sure what what's the next move, I have to be quiet enough so that I can hear his voice. But yeah. in order for me to hear his voice, I have to have the relationship. Because if not, it just sounds like a stranger or it sounds like everyone else is talking and I can't really understand what it is that he wants me to do. So when I think about those moments in my career where I felt um, unappreciated or mm -hmm. I felt like um, I wasn't getting what, you know, I knew I deserved at that point, I had to get really quiet and to really just understand, okay, God, what is it? What's the lesson that I'm supposed to learn from this? My mom would always say, eat the fruit and spit out the seeds. Mm -hmm. You know, take what's good, the stuff that's bad, toss it. Be careful where you toss the seeds because if you water them, then they're going to grow Absolutely. a crop of something else. Absolutely. So, I mean, I can think of countless times in my career where I was challenged or I, I mean, even now within, within my business, you know, as an African-American woman in the industry that I'm in, um, there aren't a lot of us yeah. who are doing the type of managing the types of projects and managing the type of businesses and accounts. And it takes a great deal of audacity mm -hmm. to go in and not consider, you know, what chair am I supposed to sit in, but to pull my chair up to the head yeah, of the table or to be in the front of the room and know that I deserve to be there. So, you know, 
if, if I were to think of one situation where I felt like, you know, I my back was up against the wall, I would say it happened, um, I would say probably within the, the past two years where I was working really hard and, and keeping very focused and out of nowhere, something just came up um, into um, the business exchange that was so unexpected. I don't really believe in haters. I, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't subscribe to that. I don't think that people have that kind of time to just sit and try to figure out how they can uh, destroy something. Mm. I, I just. I, I. I never. Never understood that concept. I feel like people have other things that are more important to do. But I had a situation like that happen where. Um, someone just started throwing these accusations and doing things. I'd never met this person before in my life, did not know anything, and um, and later found out that there were some things that were working to try to undermine. But what God has for you Come on now. is for you. Come on now. And when you don't give those things oxygen and you just keep yourself focused, it's, it's, it's about operating it with integrity. And if you know who you are and what you're doing and what your responsibility is— those things can really knock you off. Like they can mm-hmm. throw you off. But if you really stay focused and you operate with integrity, you realize that you you really don't have to respond to those things. If you just stay focused and stay the course, everything works out. It, you don't even have to you, you don't even have to give it any oxygen. You just keep moving forward and know that if if it's for you, God is going to deliver it and make it happen. So that's what I did. So <clears throat> now when you're going back to college and you lost your scholarship, there are the fork in the road. At that moment, I could go left, I could go right, right? And we all get to those places in our lives to where we face that pivotal fork in the road. Something happened, life issues, you know, just life in general. And so that was a pivotal moment in your life, right? You got a scholarship, didn't work out. And now you have to make a choice on what you're going to do with this life event that you didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking about life, Latasha, and, and there's a spiritual part of this, but when we're talking about life, life is going to bring with it its challenges. Uh, Jesus said that it's going to rain on the just and the unjust, right? It's going to rain, uh, whether you're walking with God or whether you're not walking with God. That's just life and what life brings. But the blessing of the problems that come along with life and how, is how it builds you up for the next season of your life. Because mm-hmm. everything is a preparation, right? So when you're looking at the challenges of your life and how you overcame those things, if there's somebody that's watching right now that's going through a very difficult stretch, um, whether that's family, whether that's financial, whether that's career, whether that's spiritual, they're in a difficult stretch right now in their life. Like, what would you tell that person that's listening, that's going through life right now, something has hit them that they did not see coming, and now I have to respond to it? What's the encouraging word to that person right now? I would first say congratulations, Hmm. because what you're hoping for is on the other side of this. You just have to be patient and walk it out. So patience. Yeah. Even in the midst of what I'm going through. Patience. And congratulations, because... Even if someone comes and, and, and something really, really tragic happens to them, I just have that kind of faith that I know that, A, everything works for the good of those yeah. who are called according yeah. to God's purpose. And there are so many things that are beyond our control. 
And all we can do is try to hold on to the controllables and do what we can do. That's a good word. And if you have faith and confidence in knowing that you are walking in God's purpose, it's it's going to be okay. Sure. I mean, whether it's death or it's divorce or it's a loss of, of anything, just know that God is ultimately in control. And if he took it from you, that means that he has ended that phase or that period and it's mo- he's moving you into another phase and another chapter. And you're going to see it. You can't always see it at that moment. You don't always understand what's on the other side of it. But if you're just if you're just patient and you keep trusting and you keep working and you keep believing, it's going to work out. It always does. It has to. So I have a uh, and I want to make sure that I get your um, permission to do so, Uh, because in talking about challenges and what life brings, problems that it may present, you know, of course, as a pastor, we are constantly in counseling sessions and we are counseling from A to Z. And anybody that knows anything about Bethel's family, it is a real church for real people. This church is literally open seven days a week. And so there's no time schedule. You know, somebody don't just come up on Monday. They come up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and all throughout the week. And so think about whatever problem that you can name, we talk about it here in this ministry. Mm-hmm. And we are oftentimes trying to lift up people that are in the pit of the valley. I mean, not walking into the valley. They're in the pit of it. They've been in there for a minute. And they've been in that valley for so long that they're even used to the valley. Mm-hmm. They're used to the darkness. But we try to get them to understand that this problem that has come up on you that you did not expect can actually turn out for your good, no matter how bad it may be. And so I want to talk to you about a personal issue that happened a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And you know where I'm going? Tell me. Um, with your, with our dear sister, your dear sister. Yes. Um, here at the Church of Bethel's family, we got rocked to our core. And this is from a church perspective. I know as a family perspective, sure. it was even greater. Um, Valentine's Day 2018, um, I got a call from our pastor early in the morning um, that our dear and beloved Dr. Latanya Earl had gotten into a um, tragic accident, car accident, and God had transitioned her to glory. Um, Literally singing on Sunday, and the next day you have to grapple with the idea that she's not here. Mm Mm-hmm. Tragic event. Nobody saw that coming. Mm-hmm. Like it, it came and life just kind of smacked us in the face and said, now what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And our whole church family had to respond because she was such an integral part of the ministry to this tragic news. Now, as a family, I can only speculate that if we felt that way as a church family, sure. how much more intense that was as your family. Mm-hmm. So as you guys had to deal with that, what was that process like? How did you guys get through that event that was uh, magnanimous, to say the least, yeah. how it just hit you head on and then just told you to deal with it? So how did the family, the Earl family, get through that particular situation? Yeah, so it, it feels like a long time ago, but it was only a year ago. Yeah. It was only a year ago. Um, it was tough, to say the least. That was in 2019. It was 2020. 2020. Yes. That's right, because that was right before right COVID. Right before COVID. Yes, you're right. Right sure before COVID. Right. Yeah. 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 It feels like it was that long ago, but Dang. then it doesn't. Um, it, it was it was just about a year ago. I remember getting a call that morning. It was Valentine's Day morning. Mm-hmm. And um, my husband and I said, we're just going to take the day off. 
as a business owner, you never take the day off. Yeah. So I said, okay, we're going to take the day off and we're going to drop Layla off at school and we're just going to go and have lunch. We're going to hang out. We're going to have a good time. And I remember getting a call from one of my relatives and she said, hey, have you talked to Tanya? And I said, no. And she said, okay, um, all right. And I said, well, what's going on? And she said, well, we've been trying to reach her. I, I don't know what's going on, but, you know, I was just wondering if you've talked to her. And I said, well, no, you know, talk to me. Tell me what's happening. And she said, well, I don't really know. I don't want to get you. I don't want to get you worked up. And at this point, I'm like, tell me what's mm-hmm. happening. And so she said, um, I, I, I don't know. And I could tell the hesitation in her yeah. voice. So I said, tell me what's going on. So she said, they said that she that she died. And I remember almost passed out. I was, I was, I was like, what? And she said, I don't know, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So I remember telling my husband, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go drop Layla off, let's go figure this out. And I started calling um, Wayne, her mm-hmm. husband, and he wasn't answering. And uh, we just kept calling and kept calling. So we got here to Bethel's and to drop my daughter off at school. And um, I remember a couple of the the attendees walked up and they they had a look on their face and I'm like why are they looking at me like this and one of um one of the um attendants at her school looked at me and she said I'm so sorry and I said sorry for what and sister August just grabbed her really quick and she said no Mm. and I I started getting really nervous so I said okay and then she said sister August says well um sister Latasha uh, pastor August wants you to come over to the church he wants to talk to you and I said, okay. I'm thinking, I don't know what he needs to talk to me about, but I need to go. So I we drove over, and I don't know if they spoke to my husband at that point because he's pretty much a rock when it comes to situations like that. He'll just try to just, you know, help me usher through whatever it is. So we get over, and Pastor August meets me outside, and he opens his arms, and he says, Sister, I'm, I'm sorry. And I said, sorry for what? Mm-hmm. And he says, she's gone. And I just remember an emptiness. It was just a hollowness that I couldn't describe, and I just fell. And I did not know. I couldn't understand it. I didn't understand what happened. I didn't know any of the details. I just They just said, she's gone. And so immediately we started calling again to her husband to reach out to find out what happened. And then finally he answered, and he told us that she was involved in an accident and we said, you know, have the, do the girls know? And he said, no. And I said, well, what do you want us to do? And he said, can you go to them? So my husband and I left, and we were unfortunately the ones that had to share that news wow. with them. Wow. And they were distraught. They were, you know, com- completely confused, caught off guard, just, you know, just very um, unaware. It, it's, it's nothing that you can ever ever, ever, ever prepare for. It's not any news that anyone ever wants to share. And in that moment of hurt, I had to transition into being a strong force for them and and helping them and coaching them through and helping them to understand, you know, what this transition means and how much their mother really loved them and how much, you know, she you know, was just a warrior and to tr- to try at least for a moment to shift the narrative and to understand that although she's not physically here, 
she will always spiritually be here yeah. for them. And she she represents so much. As much as she did for Bethel's family, she represents that for our family as well. Um, she was this amazing God-fearing warrior that I was blessed to call sister. Um, we had so many fun moments um, of our relationships um, that I, I reflect on. Just the Friday prior to her uh, passing away, we all got together to go to dinner. And we all hung out and we laughed, mm. we sang, we had a really great time. And I feel, and it hadn't happened for a while. And so I feel like that was God giving us that mm. moment um, to to just to spend together and, and to be there. But she is just this amazing powerhouse that represents so much. And, and, and through trying to process it, my husband really helped me. He said, you know, God has us here all for a reason. And we're all here to give him glory and to, and he gives us all an assignment. And he said, you know, it's a blessing that she completed her assignment by almost at 50. You know, sometimes, you know, people's assignments take a little bit longer. Some take a little bit less, but the lives that she touched and the impact that she had and the work that she did and how she gave her life for Christ, God felt like, you know what, your job is complete. And I'm ready to bring you home. And so for me, as much as I miss her, you know, anything that would that's funny, I would want to call her. If something crazy happened, I'd want to call her. I'd look forward to seeing her at church and hearing her voice and seeing her minister. And, you know, when I when I think about just how talented she was, she was an amazing singer, but she was anointed. Yeah, yeah, that's and a difference. I think difference. there is something there is yeah. something that's so different about that. Yeah. You know, it's not about the runs. I mean, we come from a singing family, yeah. right? So it's not just about the ability to bend and fold your yeah. voice, but it's about how you can help to heal. Yeah. And even through her transition, I would randomly see someone, and uh, I saw a lady at the store, and she said, "You know." I haven't been able to return to church yet. And I said, really? She said, I just, every time I go, I just, I, I, I want to hear a voice. I want to see her. I want to hear, you know, hear a word from her. People that I, I never knew said, you know, your sister sung me to Christ. Mm. I was so lost. I was in a, a valley. I didn't know what to do. But through her ministry, it helped me to have that hunger and that desire to get into the word of God. And so when people use the word ministry of music, this is the, la- the last thing I'll say about it. You know, when they would say minister of music, my sister studied the Bible mm-hmm. like like she was really a pastor of a church. She'd wake up in the morning. She had at least three or four different you know, references to the Bible that she could refer back to. She she was really, really about God's word. And it's amazing because I, I remember seeing her and it was a reflection of my mom. My mom would do the same thing. She was a student of the word. And I I think that through her study and her commitment to Christ and knowing how important it is to be invested spiritually in a ministry is really where that anointing really comes through for her. And I'm prayerful that her her children, her legacy, uh, will continue to carry that same that same thirst and knowledge for Christ, and and it also is a call to arms for me as yeah. well, um, because I I know that I had a praying grandmother yeah. and a praying mother and a praying sister, and I'm looking at my daughter like, okay, I owe it to you too. So um, I I just really really am honored to have to call her sister, and for me, you know, as much as I miss her, I I think that. For me, she's still here 
because I still get a chance to feel her presence around me, although she's not physically here. But we miss her tremendously. And Latasha, um, the reason why I bring that up is because, again, as as we are, as you are travailing through life, trying to do the best that you can do. Um, there's no manuscript on life. Like there's no book that that's got chapter and verse that Tuesday this is what's going to happen. Right. Like you can't plan this stuff out. But when life kind of shows its hand to you, it presents you, in my opinion, and I've gone through my own share of struggles that we won't bore the audience with, but life presents you, in my opinion, with the benefit of the challenge. Mm-hmm. It's hard to see the benefit of a challenge in the middle of a challenge. But I've seen so many people, when life throws its best punch and knocks them down, I've seen so many people get stuck there. Mm-hmm. And it's a tendency, especially when you're walking with God and you're trying to be faithful mm-hmm. and God allows this to happen. Uh, there's a tendency to get mad at God. There's a tendency to say, why me? Mm-hmm. Why now? And people get stuck in this little chasm that they're in. With that traumatic event that happened that impacted everyone's life, how were you guys able to harness that? Harness that hurt, that pain, um, that travail, how were you able to harness that and use that for your benefit moving forward? How did that bless the family? Did it bring it closer? Did it did it reveal some new things that God wanted you to do? Talk about that process once you guys got your hand around the issue. So for us, we have always been a God-fearing, praying family. So, of course, nobody saw this coming. So it was one of those situations where we knew that we needed to take a step back and ask God, okay, what is that you're trying to show us? What Mm -hmm. is it that you want us to do? And one of the great responsibilities was our ministry. And my cousin, Sister Donna Chapman, was, you know, there in the choir with us and, you know, directing and, Mm -hmm. you know, really carrying on the ministry in different ways. And so when Pastor August invited her to take on that role, she came to the family and she said, how do you all feel about this? You know, I know that this is something that is so very new for us. Will you all support me? Will Mm -hmm. you all stand with me? Will you all allow me to honor uh, Tanya or Sister Earl in this way? And of course, we said yes. And so for us, this was as traumatic as it was. It was still an opportunity to show the heritage of our family and yeah. our faith yeah. and to know how important it was to carry on the ministry because, A, that's what she would have wanted us to do. And that's what God intends. That's what he created us to do. So for us, we still as much nobody can play the piano or, or sing <laughs> like she can. So we still, you know, on any given Sunday that we're all together, you can find us harmonizing, looking at somebody because they're off key. Um, are challenging each other to just continue with their ministry and with their walk. So really and truly, our our focus has been to just stay very prayerful, to continue to keep her immediate family, her daughters, her husband, her son, her grandson lifted up, and to continue to be what God intended for us to be. And that's a family that loves God, that honors him. And that tries to use every gift that he gives us for his glory. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's really what we've what we've done. And I will tell you, at that time that this was happening, that that happened with my sister, I was negotiating one of the biggest deals in my company, mm. and it was really, it was really unbelievable how God showed up because it was at that moment that you would have expected for me to be wallowing in the bed somewhere. And there yeah. were moments where I was paralyzed, but I could hear her voice. I could hear my mother's voice. I could look around me and see that, you know, my responsibility was to keep going. So I actually used it as fuel to move me forward and to propel me through and to, to celebrate those wins with her and with my mom and with my family here on earth, knowing um, that I was able to make it happen even through some of the most critical times in my life. So I, I just thank God that he allowed me to have an amazing support system, my husband, my family, um, my team, to make sure that we were able to make it happen. But it would have been it would have been so much sweeter to have her here to yeah, celebrate with yeah. me. But the great thing about it is, although I don't I don't have the ability to call her and tell her she's with me anyway. So she's there with me yeah. in my ear talking and encouraging me and, and celebrating the wins right along the way. So um, this is a preachery saying. OK, it's it's real preachery. Um, but people see the glory but they don't know the story. Mm -hmm. Like they see the bells and whistles. Um, they see the house. They see the car. They see the family. They see all the outward appearances. And they admire you from afar. Like, wow, they got it going on. But oftentimes what they don't see is the backdrop, the, the struggle that led to this particular place. Mm -hmm. And all of the things that you had to go through go beyond in order to get to this place. Now, we're, we're still not there. God is still molding us and shaping us uh, into, and conforming us to the image of his son. But I'm so, so very thankful because as I look at the life of Christ as Latasha, I see a man that was perfect in every way, shape, or form. But as you look at his life, his life was filled with challenges. Mm -hmm. And as you see this man who was without sin, he never said a bad word, never did a bad deed, never thought a bad thought. And this man that was perfect had to overcome challenges upon challenges upon challenges and to ultimately the final challenge, which was on the cross of Calvary. Mm -hmm. And so I, I look at where we are right now, but I appreciate hearing about the journey. The, 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 the niceties of the moment is great. We celebrate the success in the moment. But I think where the encouragement comes for people who listen is to hear about what it took to get to that place. Because a lot of people right now are in places that they don't think that they can get out of. And, and from whatever A to Z and whatever problem that that may be, we all look at problems and deal with issues in different ways. Mm -hmm. And sometimes life kind of swallows us whole. And so I hope that when people are listening to you, um, yeah, you are the managing partner. Yes, you have your own company and you are doing tremendously well. You got a wonderful family. Uh, God has blessed you and you had a place into your life to where you had gotten your feet up under you. Um, but I pray that when people hear about the journey, not the destination, mm -hmm. that they're able to draw some encouragement from that because they can say within their own minds, okay, this is where I am. And, and the model that I give to everybody, look, no matter where you are in life, start there. Okay? No matter where, if you got a dollar, start there. If you ain't got no money, start there. Wherever you are, start there. So I hope people can look at and hear the journey of Latasha Norwood. 
okay, and what it took for her to get to this ultimate place of where God wants her to be and draw some serious encouragement that you've overcome some very difficult challenges in your own life, but you were able to harness that pain and use it to your benefit. So I want to ask you this. Uh, I have a heart for young people. Um, I've always said, uh, Sister Latasha, that I will not contend with a grown man. I'm not going to argue with anybody uh, that's grown because, you know, a grown man, a grown woman has already made up their mind. They're going to do what they're going to do. But if you give me a young person, uh, I will contend with that person. I will walk with that person through the valleys and the struggles of life because there is potential on the other side of that person. So you got a young person right now that in our youth right now are going through things. I'm 48 years old this year. Our youth right now in 2021 are going through things that I myself in my youth never had to go through. Mm -hmm. Issues and challenges, social media, stuff that I never had to go through. So the youth right now are in a very, very vulnerable place. And I believe that one of the things that the church is not doing very well is we're not putting a lot of attention on our younger generation. So as that young person is listening right now, and that young person is watching right now, and they're listening to you. Mm -hmm. How would you encourage that young person, going back to your own early years, about where to start, how to continue on, what type of mindset should they have, what do I need to do in order to be the best that I can be? Like, what would you tell that person who's in the valley of life right now, and how would you encourage them? I would tell that person to do exactly what I did, take a sheet of paper, rip it out, Draw a line down the middle, write what you like and what you don't like, and just write it all down. Everything that you love to do, whether it's eating healthy or eating snacks or helping people or writing or, you know, basketball, whatever that thing is that you enjoy doing, write it all down. On the other side, write down what you don't enjoy doing, whether it's homework or mm -hmm. it's math or whatever it is, just write it down and then take a step back. And everything on the like list, do more of that. Mm -hmm. Do it as much as you can. And then while you're going through that list, highlight some of those things that can maybe make a little bit of money. Maybe you like cutting hair. Maybe you like writing stories. Highlight those things because those could potentially be career opportunities yeah. for you. Now, the dislike list is also important. You got to ask yourself three questions on the dislikes. What can I do about this? Can I change it? How can I change this and maybe make it not so bad that I can sort of kind of shift it to the light column? Or is it something that I have no control over and I have to get over it? Like you can't get a new mom or a new dad, yeah. right? There are some yeah. things that are constants. And then the other things are, I can totally eliminate this out of my life completely. I don't want to do this anymore. This doesn't, this doesn't bring me joy. And so when I did this for myself, I realized that there were some things that were in my life on my light column that I wasn't giving enough attention yeah. and that I needed to devote more time to and things that could possibly be a career opportunity for me that I could monetize and make money. So if I'm looking at a new job that I want to go for, maybe I can find something that is on the light column that mirrors that. And maybe that's a career option that I could look at or maybe add to my business or something else that brings me joy. Those things on my my dislike column, I got to make some real decisions yeah. because there are some things that you just you can't control and you have to accept it and realize, you know what, this is something that's a part of my journey. I, if, if I'm adopted, 
if there is something tragic happening that I have no control over, I've got to realize that, you know what, i got to put this in God's box. But these other areas that I can control, I will control them. The other thing that I would tell people, which I don't know that people do it a lot, is to create a vision board. Yeah. Vision boards are yeah. really, really, really a great tool. It really helps you to see. There are different learning styles. Some people have to taste it. Some people have to say it. They have to hear it. They have to touch it. They have to see it. What's, how, how do you connect, right? A vision board can be something that you either do digitally mm-hmm. on the computer, maybe in PowerPoint, or maybe you go grab some magazines and you do it the old school way. You get, go to the dollar store, get one of those big posters for a dollar and cut out pictures and words that represent what it is that you want. And post it somewhere where you see it all the time and that you can hold yourself accountable to it. But I'm going to take it a step forward. When I look at vision, I have to ask myself, okay, what is it going to take for me to do it? Is it going to take commitment of time? Do I need to find someone else that can get me closer to it? Who are the people that I need to surround myself by? Is it going to take money? Maybe I need to start saving or scaling back. How long is it going to take me to accomplish this? Do I have the willingness to stick it out and to really, really focus on getting it done? Maybe, you know, that journey might take a year. It might take 10 years. But the progression that I can see myself flowing through will help me get there. What are the risks? What can go wrong? If this if this blows up, am I okay knowing, you know what, that was a part of the journey. It's it's just par for the course. I'm going to keep going and keep pushing. So I would say, number one, writing those things down really helps you to visually see and it holds you accountable to it, what those likes and dislikes are and committing yourself to doing it, even if it's committing yourself to doing it for a week or a month, right? Maybe it's working out or eating healthy, whatever that thing is, commit yourself to doing it, highlighting those things that you feel like are things that maybe can take you a little bit further, reevaluating that dislike list asking yourself those questions, and then creating a vision board to kind of help you. And once you have a vision, I don't know where the quote comes from, but it says, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. there. And it's like jumping into a car. That's what the GPS is for. If you jump into a car and you just start driving, you'll get somewhere. I don't know where you're going. You're going to get somewhere, but you're going to waste a lot of time, potentially a lot of money and a lot of energy. But if you get into a situation where you plug in where you're going, the coordinates or the the destination of where you're going, it might take you a little bit longer to get there. You might have to pivot because maybe there's some traffic on the road. Maybe there's some construction. Maybe you have to detour, but you'll get there because you know where you're going. And that list helps you to identify what that looks like. And that vision board helps you to visually see where you're going. What do you put on your vision board? You can put a house, you can put college, you can put marriage, whatever those things are that are part of your vision, because it's very personal to you. But it's something that you have to commit yourself to, and it needs to be time bound. You need to give yourself a realistic timeline of when I want to accomplish this. So you can use it as benchmarks to say, okay, how close am I getting? It's just like what the GPS tells you. You'll be there in 15 minutes. If you look up 30 minutes later, something went wrong. But you don't stop and pull over and get out of the car and give up. You keep going until you detour and you get there. And that's the same thing that life presents us. But you got to have a destination. You need to know where you're going. The other piece of advice that I would say is if you can find a mentor, and I know we talk about mentors all the time, but a mentor, they, they have different purposes in your life. There might be a mentor that's just willing to call your baby ugly. 
and tell you that is crazy. I don't know what you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. Don't do that anymore. There are some mentors that will rub your back and will coach you through and help you and wipe your tears. And I mean, it, we, we all need different things in our lives. So figure out what helps to motivate you. But ultimately, a mentor is someone that should hold you accountable. And it should be someone that you're willing to be honest with. Absolutely. That you're willing to share and be naked and transparent with to say, you know what, I haven't figured it all out. But I know where I'm going, and when I feel myself getting weak or if I feel like I'm getting tired, can I come to you for some encouragement? Can you help me to understand maybe how I can pivot through this journey to get where I'm going? Is there somebody that you can connect me to? Is there somebody that I can watch or shadow or mirror who's doing what I want to do that can kind of help me along this path? But having that vision and knowing where you're going and what's important to you and what you want and what you need— I think that's that that's a, a really, really important secret sauce of getting to where that destination is. The final thing that I would say is pray about it. God is ultimately in control of this thing, and he's the ultimate project manager. So as much as we feel like we know exactly what we want and where we're going and what we should be doing, who we should marry, what school we should go to, what business we should start, how much money, all those things, God, it's in his hands anyway. So present those things to him and, and, and ask him, God, is this what you want? I want you to be the navigation for my life. If there's something or someone that's in my life or there's something that's going on that's going to take me away from what your purpose and what your calling is, remove it. Because yeah. sometimes we aren't strong enough to do that. We aren't strong enough to walk away from that six-figure salary mm-hmm. to go and start this business that's going to be a multi-million dollar business. Because we can only see... Starting at Prairie, right. well, starting at Lee College, losing a scholarship, staying on somebody's bed at Prairie View, trying to get myself back into college, transitioning into physical education and being a fourth grade teacher and then moving into media and then starting my own company that's now a multimillion dollar company. Right. We don't we, we don't see those journeys because we we. If God showed it to us, we'd probably mess it up. That's exactly right. We'd it's probably too big. mess it up. It's, it's too, too big. big. It's too big. Right? But but God has to, you know, hate has to allow us, you know, to, to walk the journey out. But here's the thing that, that I have not shared yet. Um, a few years ago, six years ago, um, women started coming to me asking for me to be their business coach and their mentor. And I just knew I didn't have the bandwidth to do it. But I feel like if someone asks you to do something... And there takes a lot of vulnerability to come and ask for help. And if you do nothing, I feel like it's disrespectful. So I decided, okay, I, I, I can't coach 40 women, right? But what I can do is I can host a dinner. I host a dinner. I'll invite these women to come in. We'll participate. We'll share. I'll share. We'll hold each other accountable. We'll move on. I did not know that just a, a few months earlier than that, Congress had de- just designated October as National Women's Small Business Month. So I did the research and I said, you know what? I think I can do this a little bit bigger. So I approached the Urban League and the SBA and said, hey, I'm looking to host a dinner for about maybe 20 women. Would you like to participate? And they said, sure. So within four weeks, it transitioned from 20 women to over 120 women. Mm. We hosted this beautiful dinner at the Houston Area Urban League. Uh, The dinner was free. We had a three-course meal. We completely transformed the space. We gave away airline tickets, Apple Watches, QuickBooks, everything that you can imagine. We had panels of women who scale their businesses from ground to multi-million dollar companies and those who transition from corporate America, every phase that every woman could possibly find themselves in. It was by invite only. And we were able to raise over $40,000 in less than three weeks to Mm -hmm. underwrite this event. 
and it was beautiful. And um, at the end of it, women were waiting for me to to talk to me. And they said, Latasha, I've never experienced anything like this before. I was waiting for the gotcha, the gimmick of who was going to try to sell me something and it never happened. And they said, I'm used to people praying on me, you know, to come and attend these events. And then they want us to buy into something. But this was amazing. I, I can't believe like I can't wait until next year. And I said, whoa. Mm-hmm. Next year, no, 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 no. This was just one time we were hosting this dinner. And here we are six years later. Um, we've transitioned it. Uh, the organization is called She Said, She Led, She Is. It's an w- organization that is really about helping women to be audacious and to be bold and to walk into a room and know they deserve to be there, whether they have one toe in corporate America and the other one in their side hustle, or they're fully vested in, in running their business, or they're kind of teeter-tottering and wanting to do it. And so every October, we have this big conference where we host workshops. We bring subject matter experts in. We've partnered with some of the biggest uh, companies, and we bring all these experts in to teach women to help them to understand what it means to grow and scale a business or to start a business or to get into contracting with government. And we've been we've blessed thousands of women. And um, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like, you know, every time I clear a hurdle, I know that there's somebody who's probably right behind me that's going to approach that same hurdle. And it goes back to me being in fifth grade and learning how to do math and coming and creating those workshops for my grandmother at my grandmother's house. I'm still preparing those same worksheets for these women through She Said. Mm -hmm. I'm still saying, hey, I just learned this. Somebody else is probably going to be faced with this situation. Let's build this into our curriculum so that we can provide this type of coaching and training for women so that when they do meet these obstacles or when they are looking to scale their business or they are looking to hire a team or transition from 1099 to full-time employee or hire employees or offer them 401k or benefits and all those things, there's no manual that teaches you how to do that. And so that's what she said gifts me to do. So it's a ministry. So we've been able to grow it from an LLC to now a foundation. Foundation, and we just recently launched our advertising agency as well. So women who are looking to promote their businesses, they can now come to us. We will help them to cultivate and to craft their messaging and to get it on television, wow. on billboard. And so if you're following this, everything that was a part of my journey, teaching, I'm still teaching. Mm-hmm doing advertising and marketing. I'm doing that within my business, helping people to figure out how to put things together. I'm doing that in my business through project management. So that same place where I started of that equity and that journey that God allowed me to pivot through, negotiating and understanding what that means. One of our clients came to us, she had already negotiated her contract. And I said, send it to me. I looked at it and I said, no, this isn't a good contract. We can get you more. We ended up getting her over $50,000 of value built into the contract she had already agreed to. Mm -hmm. So that same table that I sat at when I was transitioning from education, negotiating my salary, I can still use those same techniques to negotiate on behalf of someone else to get them what I know they deserve. So it it just all, it all fits (laughs) together. Um, So again, normalizing success. Mm -hmm. Um. Black people have the acumen in whatever field that they may be participating in, not just to be in the room. And we got to get rid of this idea of just being in the room and being happy uh, with being in the room. But it's about knowing your value, knowing what you bring to the table, your skill sets, your, your abilities. And all of this is amazing when you're looking at life, Latasha, and you see how you know, the Bible is intertwined through life. And there's so many life principles that you look at. 
But then you look over here in the Word, and it's been there for 2,000 years. 2,000 years. Now, the book of Habakkuk says to write the vision and make it plain, mm-hmm. putting black ink on white paper. Um, in, my, in my years as a financial advisor, I would always tell people this. you got to know the numbers. If you don't know the numbers, <clears throat> then nothing will happen if you don't know the numbers. And as I was looking at African-American women, and they are starting right now 1,500 businesses every single week in America, mm-hmm. 1,500 are started by African-American women. 1,500 businesses every single week are started by African-Americans. They create 1.2 million jobs in America. Mm -hmm. They have an annual revenue of $127 billion. Billion. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm just talking about African-American women. Mm -hmm. Just the women. I'm not even talking about the men right now. They have an annual revenue of $127 billion. Mm-hmm. When black America makes up about 13 to 14 percent, mm-hmm. depending on what uh, poll you're looking at, African-American women in the workforce can employ almost 5 percent of that population. That's a huge footprint. Right now, I know that it's well below our counterparts, and I understand that theirs is almost $11 trillion, so there's a huge gap that we have to make up. But there are ways in which we can close that financial gap. Mm-hmm. And, and my heart, uh, Latasha, my heart is one of the quickest ways to close the economic gap between the have and the have-nots is through education. One of the ways that you close this gap And the quickest way to close that gap is through education. So I want to give you this last word. Our time is really shot by very, very quickly. I want to give you this last word because I think it's important that people understand that success um, is not something that we are high-fiving everybody about. It's just what we do. Mm -hmm. And once God has given us the opportunity to participate in whatever field or endeavor we may be in, we will succeed in that field. So give me... Give me two of your core life principles, mission statements, whether that's a mission statement for your job or whether that's a mission statement that you carry on in life. Those two core principles or mission statements that keeps you doing what you're doing now. What are those? You know what? I would say it's just one. And it's the advice that my mother gave me. And it's eat the fruit and spit out the seeds. In every situation, there's always a lesson. There's always something that you can learn. There's something that can be used as fuel to get you to the next thing. And so in every situation that has happened in my life, I have to take a step back and say, okay, God, what's the lesson? What's the lesson for me? How can I use this? How can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? And the seeds are what I get a chance to share to help prepare the next person that's going to follow in the journey behind me. So I know that, you know, it's there are good. It's just it's a, a part of life that there are going to be ebbs and flows, and there are going to be good and bad things that come from it. But if I really just stay focused and understanding understanding that God allowed this to happen to me for a reason, something that is going to be used to grow and propel me into the next phase or the next chapter of my life, and to not allow myself to to squallow in that but to brush myself off, to get myself ready and to keep pushing forward, that really, really drives me. Then the other thing that I've learned over the years, because my mother started giving me that advice when I was probably old enough to even understand what she was saying. I understand that with seeds, they need water to grow. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those water is our tears. 
that's how we fertilize. Whenever you're trying to prepare soil to reap a harvest, you got to tear it up sometimes. You got to get the soil prepared and ready. And there is a season when that has to happen. And sometimes you can't see it immediately. You can't see the fruit. You can't see the, 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 the harvest that's coming. But you have to be patient and you have to do the work. So I realized in that lesson that she was teaching me that you don't just plant a seed and walk away and yeah. expect for something to grow. You got to do the work. Mm. You got to water it. You got to shine some light on it. You got you to gotta maintain it and, and know that that seed that you're planting can reap a harvest for so many. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and, and there is growth. It, it doesn't mean that it died just because the seed is inside of something. It's not gone. It can grow into something else and continue to replenish. So for me, I use that advice all the time. I realize whether I'm having the best day ever, that there is a chance that something is on the Absolutely. other side of it. And to be thankful and grateful for that moment and to be appreciative of the lesson and to be aware of it. But know that in those darkest times when I, I cannot even see one foot ahead of me, to know that if I trust God and if I really stay focused, that it's going to be okay. So for me, I have it, I have that quote posted in my office, eat the fruit and spit out the seeds. Well, let me tell you, um, and, and I want to bring this to a crescendo, okay? I am sitting across the table from an African-American woman who has went through many different fields in her life. She has, um, by God's grace, started her own business. Her business is doing extremely well. Um, I sit here at this table many a time, Sister Latasha, and I have caught hell um, from people with the message that I, that I preach. I preach a message of empowerment, okay? I don't buy into this mantra, this idea uh, about the oppression of black people. I know too many successful black people and name whatever problem from A to Z, name poverty, name incest, name rape, name fatherlessness, name any problem that you want from A to Z, and I can put my hand on an African-American male or female that has been through that, overcome that, and then going on to do great and dynamic things in life. I know too many, my circle is filled with very successful black men and black women who are doing well in life. And so I push the idea that black America is able and we're not looking for a handout. We're not looking for people to post us up. Yes, we're going to go through our challenges. Yes, we're not going to skip down the yellow brick road and sing Kumbaya. I get that. I understand that. I believe that. But within black America is the power given to us by God. When you look at any other ethnic group, uh, we have been spiritually empowered by God since our founding. Mm -hmm. And we have something inside of us that drives us through every problem and situation that we may come up against. And so I push, I advocate for empowerment that no matter where you are in life, you can be better than where you are. But I also, Sister Latasha, I redefine what success is. Everybody can't have the three letters in front of their name, CEO, COO, CFO. Everybody can't operate on the 50th floor. And I hold the mantra that we don't value as much as our foreparents did and forefathers did the value of hard work. So whether that's you taking out the trash, 
Uh, somebody's got to cook the food. My grandmother was a uh, didn't get anything more than an eighth grade education. She was a waitress all of her life, but she was the hardest working woman I've ever known. So she taught me the value that no matter where you're planted, bloom there. And so I, I pushed the idea of empowerment and that we don't need everybody posting us up and we don't need people caressing us on the back, telling us it's going to be okay. Allow us to do what we do and you will see black America flourish. You are a prime example of that. And I want to thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart because I believe that people need to hear this story and the other stories that will come about people that have gone through hell and high water but did not allow those problems to stop them from progressing forward. And so I want to say publicly to you, congratulations. Thank you. Um, congratulations, man. I'm so, so proud of you. Um, and I'm not, and I don't want to specify this just to an ethnic conversation, um, but it's, it's important to me that I get people to understand the dynamic of black America, that black America is not the images that you see on TV. Sure. Okay, that that doesn't define the populace of black America. Uh, black America is strong. It's resilient. Um, it's smart. It's capable. And we can do very, very well if you allow us to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, your family is a jewel here. Um, and I believe that, as Pastor August always said, I'm going to steal this from him. I'm giving him credit. Uh, the best for you is yet to come. Thank you. Uh, the best for you is yet I to go. I receive it. So I want you to look right here into your camera, and I want you to give a plug, a big, strong plug, and I'm not going to put the words together this time, L. Renee and Associates, LLC. I want you to get sit here in this camera, sure. and I want you to give a big, big plug for your company, how they can reach you, what you do, and so on and so forth. Great. L. Renee and Associates is a project management consultancy firm that supports companies from the C-suite to the front desk by providing training, consulting, and recruiting for professionals. So if you are interested in learning more about project management, it is a very viable career path. No matter what industry you want to work in, project management is industry agnostic. So if you're interested in learning more about how you can be more competitive in the job, in the workforce, give us a call. You can reach us at 713-393-8745. Or of course, you can find us on our website at www.lreneellc.com. There you'll find out more about who we are and what we do and how we can help you. And for those of you who are interested, uh, women in starting a business, growing a business, or scaling a business, check us out at shesaidsheled.com. We have our annual conference coming up in October. We'd love to connect you to resources and people that can help to mentor you and coach you and help you to figure out what that is that you can start that business doing. Or if you're looking to scale your business or do government contracting, we can help you do that too. So I'm really excited about what you're doing and what God has, put, has blessed you and, and positioned you to do. And if I can help you to get one step closer, I'm willing and happy to help you do that. Miss Latasha Norwood, managing partner of L. Renee and Associates, LLC. You want to give a quick shout out to your husband and your kids? Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, the person that is like the cheerleader of all cheerleaders, my husband, Will Norwood, who is absolutely amazing. Thank you for being such a uh, 
the the blessing that God intended for you to be. Uh, we prayed very early on for our marriage to be our ministry, and it definitely is. I'd like to also acknowledge my baby girl, Layla Jean, and also Lily and all of my family, my team at L. Renee and Associates, my team at She Said, and all of those who are always championing for me. Thank you so much for your love and support. Um, Ms. Latasha, I am so, so thankful that you accepted the invitation to come on here on Studio B. Uh, everybody, I am Pastor MDH. Thank you so, so very much for joining us here on the set. Remember, remember, wherever you're watching from, like, follow, subscribe, comment, so that you don't miss anything going on on the set of Studio B. And remember, God loves you. He has a rich plan for you. And until next week, we'll see you soon. Scope, time, and cost are constraints every project faces, and having the right team to manage them is the key to your success. L. Renee and Associates is an industry leader in project management and an authorized training partner with the Project Management Institute. From training, recruiting, and consulting, our project management experts will help improve your team's performance. So whether it's construction, technology, healthcare, and more, L. Renee and Associates is your partner for all things project management. Let's get started today.